0: Dear congregation, I invite you to turn in God's holy word to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we'll read the first seven verses. You can find it in your Bibles, a few Bibles, on page 1179, 1179, Luke chapter 2. and We'll read the first seven verses, which will also be our text for this morning. Let us hear the word of God. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Amen. May God bless the reading of his precious and infallible word and add his blessing to the exposition of it as well. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, one of the greatest events of history is undoubtedly the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And especially as we look at Luke chapter 2, we recognize that this was a cosmic event It includes the palace of an emperor, Caesar Augustus. It includes the humble home in Nazareth of Joseph and Mary, the winding trail from Nazareth to Bethlehem, a cave stable, feeding troughs, swaddling clothes, shepherds, the angelic hosts of heaven, and the saints of God, gathering together to worship the King of kings and to hold, them, to hold him in their arms with joy and gladness. The birth of the Lord Jesus Christ is filled with hope and joy. And I'd like to look at this from Luke chapter 2, even just the first seven verses. To see the Christmas hope and joy that fills it. And the hope is this, is our first point a big God for little people. And our joy is this a little babe for big sinners. Christmas hope, a big God for little people. Our text begins with these words, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went forth from Caesar Augustus. And you say, well, who is this Caesar Augustus? Is he a little person or a big person? I'll let you decide. Caesar Augustus was an emperor of the Roman Empire. You can study all of the details of how he became emperor and so on for yourself, but Caesar Augustus was really the grandnephew of the former Julius Caesar. That's how he gets his name, Caesar. And the word Augustus is really his title, which meant majestic, the highly reverent one, the illustrious one. He was given this title as as a part of his religious and political authority. According to the Roman religious beliefs, This was a stamp of his authority in way of religion. He was the Pontifus Maximus, which is the high priest of the pontiffs, the spiritual advisor of spiritual advisors even. He was also called the father of the country, the savior of the world. This was Caesar Augustus. And he had... Not only in his title, anyone can have a title, but what did he do? He expanded the Roman Empire greatly. He set up all kinds of well-run little government structures throughout his empire. And that's why Quirinius here is governor of Syria, which included all of Judea as well. That's why he set up Herod, had Herod the Great under his control. And even through his rise in power through many years, through his unification and organization, it led to years of peace. You might say, well, it sounds like persecution to me. But really it wasn't in a certain sense, because there was freedom of worship, freedom of religion. And, And yes, there was political bondage, but it wasn't like the days of Antiochus Epiphanes, where there was real religious persecution. And yet, through all of his tax reforms, which, which he decreed here in, in verse 1, that decree went out that they should all be registered so he could tax all of his areas of influence. Through these taxes, he built great infrastructure and expanded the Roman Empire greatly. You would call him the man of the year. You would call him the Nobel Prize winner for peace. He was powerful. He was the influential person of his day. Well, how is this relevant? Why would you call him maybe even a little person, Pastor? That there's a big God for little people. Well, here we hear that God is in control of so-called big people. Because he is... Although he's called the high priest of spiritual advisors and the father of the country and a savior of the world, he's merely God's puppet in his hand. Children, you know what a puppet is, right? Maybe if your mom would put a a little puppet that looked like Elmo and she'd put it on her hand and control it and and be talking to you, hi, my name is Elmo. Elmo. You know that's your mom talking. You know that's your mom's hand moving the puppet. That's who Caesar Augustus is in God's eyes. A puppet in his hand. He, as it were, takes his hand and puts it into the heart of the king and uses him as he will and decrees what he will. He's merely a puppet in God's hand. And yet, what a contrast to God's own Son who comes. Caesar Augustus, your title is from heathen men. But the Son of God who's coming in the flesh receives a title from God. Call His name Jesus. He's called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's the nobile, Prince of Peace. Not Caesar Augustus. As a matter of fact, Caesar, you're calling all the world to be registered. And those tax dollars, they will be used to build infrastructure and roads so that Jesus and His disciples could walk on those roads and the apostles could go to the ends of the earth with the glorious news that Jesus has come in the flesh. The Messiah has come. That's why Caesar Augustus is shown as a puppet in the hands of God. God is saying, I am the king, and I'm sending the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world for little people. Have you ever felt so insignificant in this world. When you think of the billions of people, seven billion people in this world, and when you think of how you live on a little street in a little house in a little town, maybe you seem to think, maybe I'm so very insignificant in this world. Compared to the big political and economical and social movements of our day, And all the outstanding power and prestige of all those who stand up and want to make their influence known and made in this world. You feel so insignificant. Maybe even disheartened. And yet, the powers to be are puppets in God's hand. He's the one. Who turns them as the rivers are turned, because he turns them to do whatsoever he will. And yet, the little people of God are not merely puppets in his hand. He does control us, he does. But he also embraces us, he comes to surround his little people with his presence. He comes to uphold them in His hands of care. He comes to provide for their needs in His grace. He comes to protect them from dangers all by His power and by His might. He comes to care for the problems of His little people. Who are His little people? His little people are Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary who are living in the city of Nazareth. And now need to go to be registered in their own city, which is in Bethlehem, because they're of the house and lineage of David. And so Joseph and Mary, his betrothed wife, who's with child, they go to Bethlehem. And Joseph and Mary had to take a long trip here. And she's as the King James Version says that she's great with child. She's, she's ready to deliver, as verse 6 says. And the tr- journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was no quick-a-minute journey. 150 kilometers. Maybe some of you go up to cottage country or something. And, and if you were to leave Cambridge and, and go up to cottage country north of Barrie or whatever... By the time you get to Barry, you are around 150 kilometers. Now, that doesn't seem so bad because maybe maybe you'll go do that over the holiday break. And it doesn't take that long to get to Barry, Pastor. It's not that big of a journey, right? But don't forget, they didn't have cars and trucks. What did they have? Maybe Joseph and Mary had a donkey. I don't know. Doesn't really say if they had a donkey or not. Maybe they had to walk the whole 150 kilometers. And it wasn't a smooth highway to walk on or a nice walking path to walk on. It was hilly country, narrow paths, and lots of dangers. And Mary is nine months pregnant. I, I, I know because my wife's been pregnant many times, I have children. A daughter-in-law who's expecting, she's nine months right now, and I, I couldn't imagine her, even if riding on a donkey for 150 kilometers. And certainly not walking 150 kilometers. And there, you could almost imagine and put yourself in the little peoples of God's hearts. And to think how Joseph and Mary could have been so frustrated. Who does this Caesar Augustus think he is, making us go all the way to Bethlehem. At this time, my wife is nine months pregnant and boiling over with frustration. And and every night they come and they're so exhausted and tired and, and they just think, this terrible tyrant, what is he doing? And then they get to Bethlehem. There's not even any room for them in the inn. Caesar Augustus didn't even provide enough place for them. And they have to go to a stable. And maybe we're caught up in the humble nature of Christ's birth and that there wasn't a place provided in, except for a, bar, a, a, a stable, a, a cave in the wall, maybe. If we get caught up, there was no nice crib for him to rest in, but a manger. But let's never forget that God has been caring for his people. He has provided for Joseph and Mary on such a journey to bring them to Bethlehem. And if we look at the context of Luke chapter 2, he provides shepherds in the field who are tending the sheep with angels from heaven to declare the good news and to take these shepherds to the manger. To see that Jesus has come. He has come for sheep to be laid in a manger. He provides wise men to come and to bring gifts to Jesus. He provides an angel to tell Joseph and Mary to flee for their lives to Egypt. Don't forget about all God's provisions. Yes, the road was difficult. And yet God provided. God provides in the midst of affliction, in the midst of suffering. And that's why He calls to little people, little Josephs and Mary, I will protect you. Fear not. I am with you. And in this incredible journey, I am with you. Because in the fullness of time, I am sending forth my son to be born of a woman. And although the way is challenging for his little people, he says, you can know that all things are working together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Well, how do we notice that all things are indeed working out for good? Because it's not only about the hope of Christmas. It's about the joy of Christmas. It's about the joy of a little babe coming for big sinners. That's the joy. Does Jesus get the welcome He deserves? As a little babe? Who is really the King of Kings? No! He comes as a real little babe. You see... What Luke is doing here, he's setting Caesar Augustus in all of his apparent power, and all of his apparent influence, in contrast to the weakness and the littleness of the baby, Jesus. And yet, as we sang earlier, out of the mouth of babes and infants, God has ordained strength and power. It's not a strength and power that the world will ever comprehend, you can't expect the world to comprehend it. And the world certainly didn't comprehend the power and the glory of the Son of God coming in the flesh as a little babe. And he didn't receive the welcome that he deserved. Every room in the inn is filled, and, and there's no room for them, no room except for God's provision of a stable, probably a cave in the the wall of a cliff where sheep would gather for protection from the elements of the weather. And there in a manger in a feeding trough for sheep is the Son of God to come in the flesh, to be laid. We read in verse 7, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What do we see in this? Well, first of all, we see that Mary delivered her firstborn son and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And I, I'm not saying that's different than any other child that was born. Any mother would give birth to their child. And any mother would take their child and wrap them tightly in, in, in blankets, and strips of cloth, to, to bind them together, to warm them and to comfort them. That wasn't abnormal. But the reality of what Luke is setting before us here in his gospel is that Jesus really did come as a little baby. He really was born of a virgin Mary. And his swaddling clothes were they rags? We don't really know. She probably provided really nice and the best she had to offer as swaddling clothes. Probably took them along from Nazareth. I don't know, but we do know that there probably wasn't any fancying Fancy embroidery on the sides of it that said, King of kings and Lord of lords. No, he came as a real baby, just like every other real baby. Needing the very care of his mother and being cared for and comforted as a little baby by his mother. And being laid in a manger, a crib-like structure to provide protection from the elements. He was born in a humble place. And we ask ourselves, what? The Son of God, born in housing for animals, laid in a manger? And we ask the question, why? And the answer is found in 2 Corinthians 8. We need to know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he had to for our sakes become poor, that through his poverty, we might become rich. You see what's happening here is A little baby, a real little baby, is born for big sinners. He comes as the answer for our depravity as we find in Psalm 73 where the psalmist confesses, I'm so foolish, I'm ignorant, I'm a beast before you, O God. And he comes to become as low as a beast's feeding trough. To be brought as low as the beast of the field so that he can save a beast like you and like me he comes as we find paul speaking to timothy in first timothy 1 and to us today that this is a faithful saying worthy of all accept, as, acceptance that jesus christ has come into the world to save sinners of whom i am chief he's been born in humanity he's come for the greatest of sinners who are beasts before God, who are outcasts, who are deserters. He's come to the very lowest place so that no one can ever say Jesus didn't come for a sinner like me. He came for the worst sinner among us to show His glory and His salvation. He's come. He didn't just come with His words, but He'd come in the flesh. He really came. I, I think I remember this story from David Jeremiah one time, and of course I'm adapting it to my own remembrance of it. But he talked about uh, the story of a young married couple who had several young children now. And the wife was, she was, uh, she was just overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with the care of the children and care of her husband. And she just was so broken. And one day she couldn't take it any longer and she, she fled. She just got out of there. She went halfway across the country. And there, her, she calls her husband from a payphone, so he could never really figure out where she was calling from. And he, she would ask, how were the kids doing? And he would tell her how the kids were doing. And he would say, but tell us where you are. And please just come home. We love you. We care for you. We, we need you. And every time it would come to that question, she would just hang up. And the calls came in. A few weeks went by. A couple months went by. The I man couldn't take it any longer, so he emptied out his bank account and hired the best private detective he could find. And found her halfway across the country. He borrowed some money. And he buys an airplane ticket to fly halfway across the country. He gets in a cab, and he comes to this motel room on a sleazy end of a city. And he knocks on her door, trembling, with a speech all planned out in his mind of what he's going to tell his dear wife. She opens the door. All he can say is, I love you. Come home. She fell into his arms, went home with him. A couple days later, they're sitting after the kids are all in bed and the dishes are all done, the laundry's all done, and he says to his wife, why didn't you just come home when I told you we love you, we care about you? When we spoke all those words on the phone, asked you to come home, why didn't you just come home? She said, those were just words. But then you came for me. That's what Jesus did. We deserted him. We left him in paradise with Adam, and we proved it every day of our lives throughout history. He sent his word. He sent his law. He sent his prophets. He sent... His love. But He did more than that. He sent His only begotten Son to come and to knock on our door and knock on our door of our heart this morning and say, come home. I love you. Is that that what you hear this morning? In the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? He's come to identify with you. He's come in the flesh. And the angels come with their message from heaven saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. He's come to be a Savior of sinners among whom you and I are chief. Come home. Come and see what He's done for sinners like you and me. What will you do with the message? Will you turn from your sin? Will you turn from your selfishness? Will you turn to the one who has left nothing behind? He veiled his glory to come to the lowest place, not only to be born, but to die on the cross of Calvary. I don't know what's going on in this world. Maybe I should spend less time trying to figure it out and simply come home to Jesus to see Him as a big God who's come as a Son of God, veiled in His glory as a little babe for a big sinner like me. And to know that this same big God is now head over all exalted and He's coming again. He's coming again. He's coming to take me out of this sin-sick, depraved, broken, corrupt world. He's coming to take me home, to be with Him and His people for all eternity. And guess what? There's no empire that's going to stop Him. There's no King Herod that's going to stop Him. There's no Caesar Augustus that's going to stop Him. There's no power that will stand against Him on that day. Because He will come. And the question for you and me, are we prepared for that day? When He will come to deliver His people. He has not stopped at anything to come and to testify to His people. He will not stop at anything. To bring his people home. To be with him in perfection. To be with him in glory. And to reign with him forever. That's the hope of Christmas. A big God. Who controls the so-called big people as puppets in his hand. As he cares for his little people. What joy that gives to us. Because a big God who has become a little babe has come to save big sinners like you and me, how we might be reconciled to God and to enjoy Him forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we stand in amazement at the gospel Of our Lord Jesus Christ. We stand in amazement at your power, who even orders all the emperors of this world, and who has given such a suitable Savior for the greatest of sinners, as you came for us. Came to suffer and to die, came to welcome sinners unto Yourself, to behold Your glory and Your faithfulness and Your power, Your majesty. O Lord, impress it upon us. Through a story that we've heard countless times in our life, that we would see Your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.